Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question, while providing real solutions from a biblical world and life view. Your co-hosts are Pastor Charles Roberts and Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Out of the Question podcast. I am Andrea Schwartz, and I am joined by my co-host, Reverend Charles Roberts, who's going to give us the question and then the question behind the question. Hello, Andrea. Our question today is one that in modern modern times where there's so many things going on, it's, it's one to ponder, and that it's a question that's, aren't we more advanced than our ancestors? Well, I think behind that question is one that has to do with the rival worldviews between the biblical worldview and everything else. And that question is, what is humanism's version of providence? The Shorter Catechism tells us that God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. There's a lot to unpack from that, but we could also say, what is humanism's version of progress? So when we think of our ancestors, be it our grandparents or going back even much, much further than that, we have sort of a hubris about them and where we are today, where we think of everyone as being sort of backward and dim-witted, no matter how much they may be slightly advanced from the previous generations. Nobody can hold a candle to where we are today, so we think. We're accustomed to thinking about that because, you know, when we see pictures of ruins from ancient Rome or ancient Greece or something like that, everything's dusty and all falling apart. And I think we have in our minds the idea that That's how it was 5,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago when, in reality, it was a good deal different. So what do you think, Andrea? Are we more advanced than our ancestors? Well, it's funny that you talk about looking at pictures. I remember asking my grandparents if when they grew up, the world was in black and white. Yeah. Because, you know, the movie, the older movies were black and white. And I think it's a real testimony to the self-centeredness of human beings who come into the world with original sin. Whether or not we can articulate it from a very young age, identify, if you will, with being God, determining right and wrong for ourselves. You see it manifesting rather quickly in children. And so it's very easy to say we have arrived. I remember my kids saying, you lived at a time before there were VHS. Well, most kids today won't necessarily know VHS. They know DVDs. You just go online and you get it from Netflix or you get it from Amazon. So as technology changes, which it changes rather rapidly, it's easy to think that anything that came before that is antiquated, not as intellectually progressed. So we have this view of progress, but if you divorce progress from morality and ethics, then you're really not talking about the whole person, you're talking just about one aspect. Yes, and not only that, at the very beginning of creation, God laid out a plan for progress, and he charged our first parents with initiating and carrying forward that progress as his vice regents on this earth. The whole project of creation, the creating of Adam and Eve, and the mandate that he gave them is a progressive one, and we see, consequent to the fall of humanity, uh, the, the rival systems of progress that came about through the influence of Satan over the seed of the serpent. And, of course, the great example of that early on in human history 
was the construction of the Tower of Babel, a remarkable progressive achievement from a humanistic standpoint. But the whole project was to rival God's order, to rival the progress that God's people should have been and could have been making and would have and were making, although Albert, it was slightly uh, hindered at the time. So it's not a question of whether progress is good or bad or whether progress is being made one way or the other. Let it be said once and firmly that the biblical worldview is a worldview of progress and forward movement. I think sometimes we all too often get hung up on the past and hallowed tradition, and there's nothing wrong with that to some extent, but let's not be mistaken that God's word calls us to be moving ever forward, and that means making progress. Our work is far from done. And just in terms of the idea of progress, it is a positive thing if it's done according to God's plan. And let me just say this before I throw it back to you. It's Dr. Rush Dooney who pointed out quite well in one of his essays. It's one he titled, The Place of Women, interestingly enough. And it's in volume one of An Informed Faith, a volume I commend to all of our listeners. But he points out that the purpose and plan of God's terms of the future were grounded exclusively on the family. The family, not the state, which tends to be the big rival, as he says, is the true wellspring of the future, and the woman in the family is the key to that. That's not the point I'm trying to make there, other than just the fact that the family is the, the, the engine of progress, if you will. And the interesting point about comparing, let's say, today to 150, 200 years ago, even in our own country, and our own regions where you and I grew up and our ancestors, by and large, did, is that the family was not only so important, people knew who their family members were. They knew grandma and grandpa and great-grandma and great-grandpa, and oftentimes they inherited farms or houses or land. And having a family-oriented society allowed for the advancement of a culture that, by and large, although not perfect, was grounded on those interests that made it so that the family was served and then the society was served. Take the shift, especially since post-World War II, where all the emphasis is on the state and a little bit with the church, but primarily the state, that most people's friends come from who their children go to school with. And it's all about these activities that aren't necessarily family-centered, or in many cases, even church-centered. And of course, as I just mentioned, the satanic rival, the satanic counterfeit to the family being the engine of progress is the state and its institutions that seek to usurp that and take it over. And, of course, the state's primary means of doing that is our favorite target, and for good reason, are the government public schools. These are the places where the future is plotted and where the children of a vast majority of Americans are given their marching orders to move out and be progressive into the future. You know, the interesting thing is that just in terms of technology and in terms of uh, mechanics and the way things work, The people of ancient times, and we'll just say focus on ancient Greece or more specifically ancient Rome, were a good deal more technologically advanced than I think what we sometimes can give them credit for. Now, of course, they didn't have quite the same types of machines and mechanics that we have today, but they accomplished some absolutely remarkable things in terms of building and engineering of great massive structures and artwork is just simply amazing. As I said, we If you go to Rome and see the Colosseum today, of course, it doesn't look anything like it did in its heyday. 
but as the movie Gladiator, for example, I think fairly well portrayed. It was a stunning, breathtaking construction of amazing engineering. So there's a sense in which, yes, we have fancier gadgets and things, but the people of the ancient past were a a good deal more advanced than we sometimes give them credit for. However, the thing that you mentioned about the importance of the family, people staying together and community and you knowing your, your, your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents. The curious thing is, is that as our culture continues to become more and more self-consciously adhering to its non-biblical worldview, the worst parts of ancient paganism continue or begin to manifest themselves. One of the things that characterized, for example, ancient Rome and many of its cities was the pervasiveness of sexual immorality and pornography. The ancient city of Pompeii that many people are familiar with because of the the volcano that destroyed the city, there's a very interesting and little-known part of that city that I think you typically, I've never been there, I've seen, you know, documentaries, you aren't given the tour, or it's not part of the tour, but it was one of the main cities in the Roman Empire for the sex trade. So I'm bringing this up because this is, this we see happening in our own culture today. Yes, we're more technologically advanced and more progressive in, in, in one sense than they were but we're also beginning to come full circle and manifest the the worst aspects of their paganism in our culture. This goes back to the idea of presuppositional thinking and a starting point. I've used this example many times past couple of weeks in my teaching. We're all familiar with navigation systems, whether in your phone or in your car. Well, in order to have that work properly, you have to give a starting point and you have to give a destination. Well, If your presupposition doesn't start with God, it's going to start with something else, or it's going to be a very fluid starting point. And then, of course, if the destination isn't established, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the next year, in other words, where we're headed, why we're here, if it's a meaninglessness, and if it's just something that's up for grabs, and we've divorced ourselves from the past, then what it says is is that what happens today and what is today is the most important thing. So we lose where we've come from. We don't have a really clear picture of where we're going, yet we pat ourselves on the back and say, look how advanced we are. I mean, is it an advanced society where you have mothers who go and pay someone to kill the babies in the womb? Well, depending on a certain world and life view, you could call that progress because maybe 150 years ago, it wasn't readily available. But from a biblical world in life view, could we possibly even remotely call that progress? Well, sadly enough, modern humanity does call it progress. And that's the, the, the turning upside down of true ethics and morality, where man substitutes his own presuppositions, his own non-theistic rebellion against God standards for what constitutes goodness what constitutes expediency, and, of course, uh, a a so-called unwanted pregnancy is something just to be done away with. Everything is temporary or can be thrown away based on whatever my whims are at any given moment. And this has been the, the manifestation of the humanistic worldview in its approach to progress, and that is the throwing off of everything relating to uh, the past, relating to the Christian civilization that, you know, uh, when, when the, the Christian message began to spread in uh, Europe, which would be the, the ancestral home of, of myself, you, you, and many of our listeners, not all perhaps, but 
the civilizing, the Christian civilizing of Western Europe was of central importance in the history of the world, frankly. And uh, prior to the advent of the Christian message, Europe was a very dark, evil place, you know, with human sacrifice and paganism of the worst sort in all kinds of sectors. And now, really going back several hundred years, the efforts have been to completely reverse that. The satanic worldview, the satanic idea about what constitutes justice and righteousness is just the polar opposite of what biblical ethics are. And so we can just simply take a look at how Christian society existed and operated, even in its perhaps not best days, it's better than the the ancient paganism. And there's been a concerted effort on the part of people to sort of sanitize that ancient past. You know, I, um, like yourself, we're both children of the 60s, and we've had occasion to refer to this before. In our country in the 60s and into the early 70s, there was this massive influx of ideas from Eastern Asia, and especially India, you know, the the practice of Hindu meditation and all this sort of thing, playing of sitars and all the things that were attached to Indian cultural expressions of their religion became fabulously popular in many, many sectors. You know, the Beatles meditated, they had their guru and all this sort of thing. Well, what's very interesting, if you watch a, a documentary, and you can see these on YouTube and other places, of people who just simply travel around various places in India, and I'm not talking about the modern cities that have been become headquarters of Microsoft and other places, uh, you know, big corporations, but the places that have been most manifest with this worldview, it's terrible. It, it's no surprise that people who, who live in places like that would, as soon as they could, they would get out of there and go to a place that has been largely Christian in the past. Poverty is everywhere. You can just simply see it. If you travel from one country to the next, the cultural expression of what constitutes progress is evident. And so this is where, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, who really do want to further the kingdom of God, they've got to go back and re-examine all the things they, quote-unquote, know to be true. Because it's very easy to find that if we're going to look at 2018 as a time of technological progress, and then those who would like to give a different view of origins tie in cell phones with the Big Bang and cell phones with evolution. And quite frankly, they have nothing to do with each other. But they ride on the back of, you see, science is more advanced than the Bible, and it's okay that you read your Bible, but, you know, it's not a science textbook. And as soon as somebody buys into that, of course, they're saying that the science textbook is at least on a par with the Bible, But what they're really intimating, it's senior to the Bible because, you see, the science textbook is right and the Bible is at best allegorical, but you can't trust it. And so as people find themselves in a situation where they're trying to be faithful to Scripture, if they don't re-examine some of the things that they've taken for granted without looking at, wait a minute, does this really have to do with that? Can I honestly say that we have microwave ovens because of the Big Bang or because of Darwin's evolution? Or did somebody observe how God did things and imitate it? Now, you might not be a fan of microwave ovens, but the point is it doesn't ride on the coattails of this contrary world in life. You mentioned just now technological progress, and I couldn't help but think of uh, an essay 
that has part of that as its title. I read many, many years ago before I was a Christian, when I was a philosophy major in college, one of my main areas of study was existentialism. And of course, uh, Albert Camus and Jean-Paul Sartre were among the main purveyors of that idea. But not known to many people is the fact that there were several existentialists who came out of Roman Catholic backgrounds. And of course, we wouldn't recognize it as any way a biblical form of Christianity. But the French existential philosopher Gabriel Marcel, in his own mind at least, was a Roman Catholic and also an existential philosopher. And in his book, Man Against Mass Society, which was published in 1952, by the way, he has a chapter called, guess what? Technical Progress and Sin. When I first saw that title of that essay, I was really struck by it, because you typically don't put those two things together if you're uh, somebody majoring in philosophy in a secular university. (laughs) The word sin just stood out like a neon sign. So I was very curious to see what he had to say about that. You can tell, I mean, he's struggling with it from the standpoint of not having biblical presuppositions or foundation. However, the point that he makes in a very broad way is that it bears asking when human ability and technological progress have reached the point where we can create weapons, what we today would call weapons of mass destruction. I mean, this was at the end, toward the end of World War II, the early stages of the Korean War, the massive buildup of nuclear weapons after the dropping of the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So humanity faced the real possibility of extinction because of these weapons that were developed by, guess what, man's technological progress. And he was one of the few that called to question and said, you know, for all of our technical progress and our ability to do these things, there's one factor we still need to consider, and that is sin. And it's unfortunate that even his voice is not even heeded in modern times. And when you take a look at the accepted, you might say, reform definition of sin, any want of conformity or transgression against the law of God, there's our starting point. If we don't put that into the you are here part of the navigation, we won't get to where we want to go or we won't recognize what we would call positive direction. And I think that's why the emphasis that we certainly bring up in these podcasts and Calcedon Foundation has certainly promoted for the 50-plus years it's been in existence, it isn't so much that everybody conforms to an individual person, that our conformity has to be in terms of God's word, God's law, so that we have a really good compass to say, are we going in the right direction or not? And it's so easy to think the latest thing is the thing of benefit. I I was thinking when you were talking, just let's take the area of childbearing, something that's gone on since Adam and Eve. And yet we got to a point, certainly in the latter part of the 20th century, that said the right way for women to have children was in a hospital and having the surgeons there because you see we're going to treat women giving birth as if somehow or other they're sick or they get so afraid that something could go wrong that in a lot of ways the more educated and I'll put that in quotes western women have become the harder it is for them to give birth there's actually studies that show that the more quote-unquote education level that a woman has the more likely she is to need a cesarean section when she gives birth than someone who hasn't had all this academic training. So is that progress, or is that actually a huge step back? 
Well, and of course, the, um, the medical profession is one of many sectors of our society that are under the larger umbrella and all-seeing eye of government. So we have this sort of assembly line, cookie-cutter type of mentality on those kind of issues, and you're talking about the issue of giving birth, and that's an example. Women and their families who would be open to, and some who do give birth at home, have a midwife or whatever, you know, they're looked at as retrograde and bizarre. You know, aren't you afraid something's going to happen and that kind of thing? But I want to circle back to something I said at the very beginning because you were the one that suggested, and I think quite well, that humanism has a type of providence. And it, it revolves around this whole idea of technical progress and moving forward to perfect humanity. And as Dr. Rustuni was fond of saying, you know, um, there are certain concepts that are inescapable. And one of those is providence. And I want to state again the shorter catechism question about what is providence. And just, I'm just going to give the answer to only, only part of it. Powerful, preserving, and governing all the creatures and all their actions. Well, you know, if you ask the average person on the street, they might say, oh, well, that's Google. That's the National Security Agency. Because that's where we have come in our culture to where the state aspires to govern all its citizens and all their actions. One of the things that happens, you mentioned again, giving birth in hospitals as opposed to other places. There's the collection of DNA. There's the supervision of prescribing of medications. And so this is just another small part, a small arm of the larger tentacles that reach out into every sector of society, whereas it used to be people recognized that it was God who controlled all things, and things happened one way or another because of God's providence. Now it's the state and its agencies that are involved with providence and how it determines what is progressive and what isn't. You know, you bring up the medical profession and the fact that what governs a lot of people is something could go wrong. Well, I recently had the opportunity to spend some time with three women, none of whom were Christian, although I I suspect some of them had somewhat of a Christian upbringing or at least exposure. And they all uniformly had a story about when they went into the hospital and needed their C-section, how they were encouraged to basically sterilize themselves afterwards. Mm, and yes. what they, especially after they had had a child already and they were looking forward to this next delivery, they were talking about, do you really need to do this again? Look, you know, you remember what it felt like before. Do you really need this? And so, you know, they have this, 72 hour where you have to agree to it and you could change your mind. But clearly the world and life view there doesn't say blessed is the man whose quiver is full. It's you have two, you have a boy or a girl. See, you don't have to have more children. And in a lot of cases, that whole perspective is very short sighted and it doesn't really speak to the idea of the family having a number of children would be somewhat of a security and a provision for people when they get older, but you have one or two and you have this view that children are a burden. Will it be a surprise when they view their parents as a burden? After all, you don't want to have more than two. I think too, uh, it's interesting to consider that one of the great shining medals of uh, humanistic progress are modern cities. 
whether we define those in terms of the cities of the 1920s or right up to our present day, the cities are the places where humanistic progress is most manifest. You know, we can see this in other parts of the world where there are these remarkably stunning cities with skyscrapers, almost Tower of Babel-like up to the sky. And of course, those are also the places where the medical profession is practiced and where hospitals are, where the sorts of things you're referring to take place. And so people who are thinking, whether they claim to be Christian or not, if their thoughts have been captured, if they're starting from some foundation other than God's word, they're open to that kind of leading. Well, the guy with the stethoscope around his neck, he must be able to define for me what is a family and what I should be thinking about that. The, the teacher with the clipboard and the pencil behind his or her ear, that's the one who will tell me what is true and false. And I, I want to share something with our, our listeners that Dr. Rushduni wrote uh, in an essay, another essay he wrote. This is called Wealth in the City. And he says this, he says, the new humanistic man is a parasite. Whether farmer, manufacturer, worker, or unemployed, he wants subsidies. The modern city is a subsidy center. The earlier mercantilism worked to create the humanistic producing urban center by means of protectionism and tariffs. A new kind of wall surrounded the city. The ancient city was walled against thieves and enemies. The modern city is walled against competition and the free market. So he goes on from there to talk about how, as I just said, the city is sort of the humanist example of, look at us, we are progressive, we have these shiny buildings and all this sort of thing. This then becomes the place where all of the things that we're talking about uh, become focused and centered. Again, I, I, I think we should clarify to our listeners, it's not to say that we don't benefit from things that come from modern science and modern medicine. The difference is, is that they are working on, as Dr. Van Til used to call it, borrowed capital. They really have no justification. They can't really justify the knowledge and the wisdom that they have. It works because God's creation functions in a proper way that he has ordained it. But in the long run, because it's in their hands, it is not for humanity's benefit. And you brought up the whole idea of medicine and, and trusting the doctor. I know nurses who tell me that there are elderly people who are ill, and it's not a surprise that they don't have long to live, but their family is very eager to get them to the hospital at the point of crisis because they don't want them to die at home. They want somebody else to deal with that. And in many cases, the nurses I've talked to think it's actually cruel because the person is disoriented, the person is uncomfortable in these strange surroundings, and in some cases, you'll have family members saying, how long until my mother dies? How long until my father dies? So we've lost a sense of responsibility. And so long as the hospitals will take people and we have these centers, as you said, where we can dump people instead of caring for them and really being with them in their last hours on earth. And of course, that will speak to the absence of a biblical view of life and life after death. I think it's interesting, too, that when we talk about being more progressive and advanced than our ancestors, I think earlier you mentioned things like uh, cell phones. 
And we can certainly refer to those. We, we walk around with uh, these gadgets in our hands that have the deposited wisdom of half the world at our fingertips. They have apps that you can access medical information. You can check your blood pressure and your heartbeat and all this kind of thing with these phones. But it's interesting, too, that for all of the advancement and uh, apparent futuristic-oriented nature of these devices, and I enjoy using them as much as the next person, but the reality is there's uh, some mounting evidence, some of it suppressed, I suppose, that seems to indicate that our excessive or even moderately heavy use of these devices is not in the best interest of our health. Right. You have electromagnetic radiation right near your head, and a lot of people are spending a lot of time, much more so than in the past. And with all the apps there are, I don't think there's any accurate app or ever will be that will evaluate somebody's spiritual condition. You know, I keep thinking about this, um, you know, the idea of a progressive futuristic attitude that we have today and and that we're sort of on the, the, the precipice of breaking out into this amazing new world that technology can give us. You see it in TV commercials, and of course, a lot of the movies that we see today are built on these kind of things, whether it's a Star Wars or something like that. And it occurred to me, and to key off uh, another motion picture, if I may, uh, and the movie The Matrix, which came out in 1999, which I think is a very significant movie in many ways, you know, the, the, the whole thing there was that people lived and operated in a world that looked very modern and very futuristic, but because of the and I'll just put it simply, the, the wool pull, pulled over their eyes. They were not really aware of the fact that they were living in a desolate wasteland. The real world was not anything like what they thought they were seeing. And it occurred to me that I'm, I would not be surprised if this fantastically futuristic, you know, Jetsons, you know, flying car type of future that many people seem to want for themselves, it will come about, but it will come about through virtual reality people will walk around with these things over their faces just like we have our phones glued to our ears nowadays and they will live in this futuristic world but they probably won't be going anywhere but sitting in their chair and spend half their lives however long people live in that kind of circumstance quote unquote living in this futuristic world that in reality doesn't really exist that's how they will create this as sort of a a phony cartoon for themselves Right. One of the criticisms that you hear for people who homeschool or even people who will say the Bible is the way in which we should order our life, they'll say, well, you know, you've got to get into the real world. Mm. Well, if the real world, per their definition, turns into the virtual world, it means that it will be a world that can be arranged by someone who has the technology to Photoshop something or construct something to make people see things the way they want to see it. I maintain that the real world is the world of Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I think part of the appeal of all the sci-fi and the futuristic things, whether they're depicting a happy future or a dystopic future, is the fact that the old rules don't apply. So if you were officiato of Star Trek or Star Wars or any of these other things, there's no way you're going to quote the Gospel of Matthew because, you see, it doesn't apply there. So having people become so used to these alien encounters and people on other planets and alien civilizations, really what they're saying is we can't take this 
what they now say human mythology and apply it to other places. But as Dr. Rajduni has pointed out in a book he wrote early on in the 60s, modern science would be better described as scientism because a lot of their presuppositions can't be verified and it's just as much a faith as biblical faith because it's a faith as opposed to science being something that's academic and verifiable. Most of the tenets of modern scientism aren't verifiable because they're really somebody's or a group of people's view that says, this is the way we think it all started. This is the way we think it all operates. You're certainly absolutely correct that uh, any kind of biblical intrusion in a Star Wars type um, environment is unacceptable. But uh, anyone who knows anything about those and similar films uh, that's not to say that there is a religious worldview that is not allowed because they are promoting an alternate one where this thing called the force in the case of that series of movies is the um, the groundwork of the religious worldview that's represented in the films. And it's interesting how that sort of thing has seeped into modern culture. It, it also goes back to something we discussed in, I think in a much earlier podcast uh, about the uh, late 19th and early 20th century interest in mind science and how your mind can create reality. And it seemed to be supposedly very scientific based on so-called scientific principles. And so now um, we have, quote-unquote, progressed to the point where people are so sophisticated they, they wouldn't dare say, well, you know, in polite conversation, you're at the local neighborhood party or block party or whatever, or you're at the office party. You don't ever hear anyone say, well, you know, I asked the Lord for that, and he gave it to me, or he hasn't, you know, I prayed to God and asked this. No, no, no. What they say is, well, the universe may bring that into my life, or I hope the universe will manifest that for me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Or Mother Nature is mad. That's why we have all this rain. Mother Nature is mad. That's why we don't have rain. You see, just like progress has replaced providence, Mother Nature replaces God, and an evolving universe replaces God's creation ordinance and then his care of his creation. So there is nothing new under the sun. The counterfeits just copy the real. And another way that we can compare our modern progressive society to our ancestors is in things like uh, warfare, human conflict. The 20th century saw more millions of people killed and dying at the hands of governments and states than uh, the Roman Empire ever aspired to. And you could say, okay, well, they didn't have the advanced weapons, but there are always different ways to qualify that. There weren't as many people alive. I mean, it doesn't matter how you want to parse it. At the end of the day, our modern world is modern, yes, but it is far more barbaric in, in many significant ways. So here we are in the, um, the early stages of the 21st century, when people of 100 years ago thought we might be living on the moon and, and you know, do- glass-domed you know, hydroponic gardens and this sort of thing, when we're still bombing and killing thousands and thousands of innocent people in different places around the world. You know, we have you know, cutthroat fanatical movements of religion. Uh, so the one factor, as Marcel talked about in his book and as biblical religion has proclaimed from the very beginning, the biggest problem we have is not a failure to be progressive. 
our problem is the sin that infects everything that humanistic man uh, sets his arm to. And that's why the book of Genesis has to be challenged almost at every point, because that's where we not only see how sin enters the world, we see the consequences of it. The first major consequence being the fact that there was a worldwide flood. So you have to turn that into a myth. You have to turn that into a ridiculous story. So from a secular point of view, it's a ridiculous story. From unfortunately current Christian point of view, I just got one of these catalogs in the mail today where you have this these pictures of Noah's Ark and people can dress up like Noah and whatever. And they're all these happy people and they're all, you know, sticking their head out of the Ark. The Ark was a symbol of God protecting a few as he was judging many. And so we've lost the sense of reality. That's why starting and spending some time in the book of Genesis and then comparing what God's word says and, and the discussion there with what we have in 2018, we have to ask ourselves the question, is this the progression of faithfulness where we're at today or something quite opposite? Maybe we can uh, bring this back to this point and as a place to sum up. Are we more advanced than our ancestors? I would say yes in the sense that insofar as uh, our ancestors were humanistic and they were seeking to move forward on their hum humanistic presuppositions, yes, we have moved even further forward than they have. And that has produced a society that is in many ways fancy and full of gimmicks, but is just as barbaric and full of sin as any society 100 or 250 years ago. And from a biblical world and life view, we're not so much interested in progress or success. We should be interested in covenantal faithfulness and understand that covenantal faithfulness brings blessing and attendant with blessing are advantages and things that we would say move us forward. But if we don't start with God and his word, we could be confusing judgment for blessing. Well, I think with those words, we will bring our podcast to a close for today. Um, I have a couple of resources I'd like to recommend, but I thought I'd see if you have any first, Andrea. Well, I highly recommend, it's not an easy read, but The Mythology of Science by R.J. Rushduni, because he goes into these ideas of how what we call science has hijacked ideas and, and, and biblical providence and turned it into something quite different. And looking at modern science as based on mythology is a different perspective than most people got, no doubt, when they were going to school. And as I mentioned earlier, I would recommend, well, I would recommend the entire three-volume set of An Informed Faith, the position papers of R.J. Rushduni. Volume one in particular of that three-volume set has some very, very interesting essays that I mentioned earlier. This set would be well worth your owning and possessing, and you can usually get it at a pretty good discount from the Chalcedon Foundation at chalcedon.edu. Listeners, if you have any feedback on what we talked about today or previous podcasts or something that you would like us to tackle and discuss, send us an email at outofthequestionpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll certainly entertain your ideas and suggestions. Thank you, Andrea. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, 
visit www.kingdomdrivenfamily.com.